Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we bless you. We thank you for this time that you've given me to come and share the truth about Christ, what he has done and who he is. I ask for help as I speak and I ask for help for those who shall listen. May you bless them with understanding, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Brother James here again to share some wonderful gospel nuggets, wonderful things about the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and what he has done and how in the light of who he is and what he has done, everything relates or should relate to us who are the redeemed and we have been in the past few weeks working on the gospel fundamentals because they are needful. We have to understand the matters that make for the foundation of what God calls the gospel and why it is called the gospel. What is the good news about the gospel? And we have done three installments already, I believe, on the gospel fundamentals, the nature of man, law, and God's justice. And today we are going to be doing Moses, again, representing the law. And I'm sorry about that. I think this one is going to be number three. So this is going to be our number three installment on gospel fundamentals. And I've titled this message, Moses is dead. Moses is dead. And this is something that I say a lot if you are a regular listener of our messages or you read a lot of my gospel messages on Facebook. This is something that I very, I'm very adamant about. The death of Moses. Moses is dead. And this is a very fundamental gospel testimony that a lot of people due to unbelief or ignorance or a combination of they still do not acknowledge this reality that Moses is dead. So the death of Moses horrifies everyone who does not understand the gospel. Hence, the false charge of antinomianism, antinomian coming from anti-law, and that is the pejorative language that people use against us when we tell them that Moses is dead, the law is dead. But why do they say that? Moses did not get sick when he died. If you go and read the testimony of Moses, which we shall go to in Deuteronomy, Moses did not get sick when he died. Yeah? God just killed him. And naturally, we always get the most horrified at the death of a beloved person, especially one who just suddenly dies without any sickness that we were aware of. And you know, Moses was beloved of the nation of Israel. They loved him. Yeah? 
But this is the matter that we seek to share understanding the death of Moses and what it means in the gospel context. And we cannot tell the truth on Christ as long as we continue to keep Moses alive or calling him back from retirement or calling him back from the dead. We should let Moses rest and let him enjoy his retirement, which thing God already preached. God preached the retirement of Moses even on the Mount of Transfiguration when Moses appeared with Elijah and Christ, essentially the law and the prophets coming and pointing to Christ and then God overshadowing them by the cloud so that when Peter and company, when they lifted up their eyes to heaven, the text says they saw Jesus alone. Jesus has to remain alone. That's the argument. This is why Moses has to be retired. Jesus has to remain alone. And God testified of that truth by saying, by a voice from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him, listen to him. You have to listen to Christ. Yeah? So Moses has been overshadowed. And that's the testimony that I'm bringing. And yet people continue to falsely accuse and say, oh, that's an antinomian idea. Well, if it is an antinomian idea, what you're saying is God is an antinomian because it is God who brought this teaching. Yeah? So when we are talking Moses, we are not talking about the person of Moses, the son of Jochebed and Amram. We are speaking to what he represented. Moses was a Levite. And thus was a mediator of the law. The law was given him on Mount Sinai by God. And thus the old covenant of the law is what is represented by the person of Moses. Moses represents the testimony of the law as its mediator. That is why John said, John the apostle said, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Christ Jesus. Moses brought the law, but grace and truth came by Christ. And that means Moses did not bring grace and he did not bring the truth of salvation. The truth and grace of salvation was in the person of Christ. Moses only had the shadow. He did not have the substance. So Moses represents the law, the covenant of Mount Sinai and its curses. Don't forget about the curses. Moses does not come apart from the curses. He always brings the curses with him. Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. That's Deuteronomy 27-26. That's the testimony of Moses. That's the testimony of the law all the time. That's what the law is saying. That is Moses. That is the testimony of the Ten Commandments. Yeah? That were written on the two tablets of stone 
the cases are coming because of these commandments. The Ten Commandments are the foundation of what is called the covenant of the law. It's the Ten Commandments. Because they are they that were in the Ark of the Covenant. The two tablets of stone were in the Ark of the Covenant. To say they were the foundation. They were the heart of what is called the covenant of the law. And people try to play gimmicks with that and say, well, the Ten Commandments are the moral commandments, so we can't set them loose. We can't let go of them. And that's where the problem comes. Yeah? This is what Exodus 24 verse 8 says. It says that Moses took the blood sprinkled it on the people and said this is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. Yeah? Moses took blood and sprinkled it on the people and said this is the blood of the covenant. The covenant that was based on the Ten Commandments. So one of the key elements for us to learn about the law is that when God descended on Mount Sinai to meet with the people, he warned Moses and the people of Israel and said in Exodus 19, verse 12 and 13. This is what God said to them. You must set boundaries. For the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourselves not to go up on the mountain nor touch its edge. Set boundaries. Whoever touches the mountain, what happens to them? Will surely be put to death. Whoever touches Mount Sinai, shall surely be put to death. Whoever touches the law shall surely be put to death. No hand will touch him, but he will surely be stoned or shot through. Whether beast or a human being, he must not live. He must not live. It doesn't matter who if they touch the mountain, if they go beyond the boundaries on Mount Sinai, they must die. That's clear teaching. If you touch the law, if you touch Mount Sinai, you must die. That's the testimony of the law. You must die. The law does not make you good. It calls for you to be shot through. It calls for your death. This uh, goes onwards. But then God says, preach the gospel. Because <laughs> God would have you to understand about the boundaries. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they may go up on the mountain on this one condition. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they may go up the mountain without dying. My dear friends, 
we have to understand Moses. We have to understand what the law does to a sinner. The law was given to set boundaries between God and sinners so that they cannot approach God on their own merit. And if they do, they will die. Something has to go between them and God. There is one condition for them to be able to come up to the mountain where God was. And God says, but only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they may go up on the mountain. The ram's horn is the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ who has died. Because you can't get a ram's horn from a living ram, but a dead one. And you can't blow and produce a sound through the horn without blowing air. So the sound of the horn comes from the blowing of the Holy Spirit When the Holy Spirit is blowing, he blows through the ram's horn. He blows the testimony of Christ to say, Now come up the mountain and meet with your God in peace. That's gospel preaching. Only by the death of Christ, the Lamb of God, the Ram of God, are sinners able to breach the boundaries and approach God and not die. And that is speaking of grace. Only by grace, not law, are we told to come boldly to the throne of grace. There's no other way by which sinners can approach God. They cannot approach God based on law. And all your confessions of faith will say, oh, that's an antinomian idea. No, it's not an antinomian idea. It is a gospel idea. It is the way of life idea. It is God's idea for your own sake. So when we downplay the importance of the law, we also, by the same measure, Diminish the work and character of God and the work of Christ. When we reduce the law to something that we can do, we minimize the glory and riches of God's grace towards sinners. Because the law is there to magnify the riches of God's grace towards us. By saying The law will kill you. The law will condemn you. And only grace will give you life. Only grace will make you accepted before a holy and righteous God. So the covenant of the law was given to perform something. Not for sinners, but against sinners. By way of its goodness. To show them, to show you and I our inability to obey God. 
and to condemn them for their lack of ability. That's what the law was given to do. And for it to do that, it had to be holy, righteous, and good. So the law was given to give the knowledge of sin for the accounting of sin. The law was given as God's secretary to account for every one of your sins. Your adultery, your false witnesses, your death, your covetousness. Yeah. It was given to increase sin and to increase, not to decrease. To increase sin, not to decrease God's wrath. And that to say the law is the letter that was engraved on stones and it was a letter that kills. It is a letter of death, just like the letter that David wrote and gave to Uriah to go and give it to Joab, who was the army commander of David, if you know the story from Second Samuel. That letter, the letter that kills, the letter that kills is the law. Uriah carried the letter that had instructions of his own death, that he may be put in the hottest part of the battle. And for the army of Israel to withdraw from him and get him exposed and get, and get killed. So Uriah was killed at the instruction of David that David may be married to Bathsheba for the testament of Christ. And that to say, as law as the law stands, you can't be married to Christ. It has to be removed by way of fulfillment, set aside, and that's the testimony of the death of Uriah. We have a full message on that. But the point is, the law is the letter that kills. And Apostle Paul calls it the ministry of death and condemnation. The ministry of death and condemnation. And if you know anything about ministry, here in the United States, we don't use the language of ministry. We have cabinet positions, Department of Transportation. We have a cabinet person who is appointed to that cabinet as a secretary, secretary of defense, secretary of health. But the idea is the same. A minister is one who is engaged in the duty of serving people with something. He or she is in service to the people to bring about something to them. Either education, health, finance, defense, you name it. They are employed to bring a service. And the Holy Spirit says, <laughs> the law is the ministry of death and condemnation, which means the law is in service to the people to bring about death and condemnation. There's no way to run away from that. There's no way to run away from that. I don't care whether you have a PhD 
five PhDs in theology. You know every ancient language there is. This is very clear teaching. The ministry of the law is death and condemnation. Okay? And those who are in Christ are not under that ministry. They're not. They are not under that ministry. If you think and believe that, then you believe a false gospel. There's no way to spin it. You believe a false gospel. You cannot be under this ministry. Otherwise, Christ died in vain. Christ came for the very reason to redeem us from this ministry. Here, 2 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, from verse 7. This is what Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul who understood the law, grew up under the law. This is his understanding, verse 7. But if the ministry of death, which one? Written and engraved on stones. <laughs> the ministry of death was written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance which glory was passing away so the ministry of death was glorious the ministry of the law was glorious as evidenced by the shining of the face of Moses so much that he could not look intently to the children of Israel. Even Israel itself could not look intently at Moses. But then, that glory was passing away. That glory was passing away. The glory of that ministry of death was passing away. Verse 8. How will, here the comparison, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? So there are two ministries contrasted here. The ministry of death and condemnation and the ministry of the Spirit. And they are not the same. They are not equivalent. One is passing away and it's glory. But the ministry of the Spirit is more glorious, it is more glory than the one that it is replacing. Verse 9. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, yes, it had glory. The ministry of the law had glory. The ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. The ministry of righteousness, the ministry of grace, the ministry of the Spirit is called the ministry that ministers righteousness to God's people, whilst the ministry of the law ministers death and condemnation to God's people. And because the ministry of the Spirit is the ministry of righteousness, it exceeds much more in glory. That's all I'm saying. Christ exceeds much more in glory. And a lot of these guys who still want to keep Moses, who say, oh yes, of course, we agree with Christ, but you still have to keep Moses. No, 
You can't have them both. One has to pass away. One has to be retired. Festin. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Even my seven-year-old son understands that comparison. One has glory, the other has more glory. And the one that has more glory is the one that remains because his glory is greater. Yeah? (laughs) So what is Paul saying? He's saying the new covenant is a standalone ministry and covenant. It does not stand with Moses. Moses is not its foundation. Its foundation and cornerstone is Christ. Moses is what was, or is he who was engraved on stones, the very Ten Commandments that you people so love to talk about. Yes, the Holy Spirit says, those commandments, that covenant was glorious, but its glory was passing away. If your church is not telling you that the ministry of the law has passed away, they are lying on Christ. They're not telling the truth. It's passing away, and it's passed away because what remains is more glorious. And many professing Christians do not want to hear this matter of the passing away of that ministry of death. It makes them sad. They want to embrace it. They want to hug it. They will invent all kinds of gymnastics to resuscitate it back to life. CPR on dead Moses. They will philosophize their way back into the hands of the ministry of death and call us antinomian, anti-law. Yeah? (laughs) That's all they're doing. They philosophize their way back to Moses and say, well, Moses is for sanctification. There's not a single verse that talks about the law being for sanctification. It's not there. If anything, what are you going to hear from Paul? I believe in Galatians chapter 3. He's going to say, oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, having begun by the Spirit, Are you now seeking to be perfected by the flesh? Are you now seeking to be perfected by the ministry of death and condemnation? Are you so foolish? Yeah, it's foolishness. It's to be bewitched. To think that once you've come to Christ, you still have to honor Moses. Or try to find some benefit from Moses. Christ is all. Christ is all. Paul says those who do that are still covered with a veil. They have a veil over their hearts that causes them not to see, causes them not to hear and understand what is being said. 
Here the contrast between law and grace, between true believers and unbelievers. Verse 12 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. See why I'm bold? <laughs> because I have such hope. Because of the ministry of righteousness, the ministry of grace, the ministry of the Spirit. It gives me boldness. We have such hope because of the ministry of grace. And now to the contrast, verse 13. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. Of what was passing away. That is what many people, especially in the Reformed camp, did not want to hear. They will say, well, what was passing away was the ceremonial law. My dear friends, the ceremonial law is not what killed and condemned people. The ceremonial law, if you should even call it that, because the Bible does not make that distinction, was there to try and clean up the sins of the people, but to no avail. Yeah? He was trying to help people with their sin, but could not. But then, those are gymnastics too. Because the law cannot be divided. The law cannot be divided. It comes as a unit. If you divide it, you have a domino effect. If you miss one point of the law, you are guilty of the whole law. Yeah? You are guilty of the whole law. So you can't divide the law and the law says in Galatians 3.10, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. Not to just talk about them. A lot of people are just talking law, but none is doing. It's just talking. Talking. Oh, it's the moral law. Oh, it's the eternal. People think that if they say, oh, it's the eternal law of God, somehow that changes God's testimony. What is eternal? It's Christ. God wants you to know about Christ, the glory of Christ, not the glory of Moses, not the glory of the law, but the glory of Christ supersedes that of the law. Yeah? Verse 14. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ until this day. Even now, people are blinded. Yes, they are religious. I'll give it to them. They're religious. They have their confessions of faith. They have their London Baptist of faith. They have their Westminster Confession of faith. They have these canons of what, of dot, and, but the veil still remains. The veil still remains unlifted because they are blinded. 
in the reading of the law. Because the veil is taken away in Christ. And once that veil has been taken away, you see Christ alone, not with Moses. Yeah? (laughs) Come to Christ and remain in Christ. Abide in the Son. Verse 15. But even to this day, even to this day, even as I preach, if you share this message, the people are going to fight against it. They're going to try and argue and say, oh, so are you saying it's okay now to go and murder people, to go and steal foolishness? It means you still have the veil over your heart if you're thinking like that. That's not what Paul was saying, and that's not what, that's not what I'm saying. But the truth is, even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Even this day, a veil lies on their heart. They don't get it. They don't understand it. They read it in a fleshly manner. They read it in a fleshly manner. They don't hear what God is saying. Nevertheless, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The veil has to be taken away. And that is saying the law causes unbelief in people. What was Israel's problem? Unbelief. You go read the book of Hebrews. They could not enter because of unbelief. The law engenders unbelief. The veil has to be taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, verse 17. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And there now, we are being given the distinction again as to what the Lord does versus what the Lord has done for his people. The ministry of the law is not for liberty. It is for slavery. It is for bondage. That's what it does. I don't care how you spin it. The law is not of freedom. The Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. I think it's Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 5, sorry. Galatians chapter 5. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. It is for liberty that Christ set us free. Do not be entangled again. By the yoke of slavery. Entangled. By the yoke of slavery. If you put yourself under the yoke, you cannot take yourself from under it. I grew up yoking oxen. I put the ox in the yoke and tied a rope underneath them to secure them to the yoke. And they could not remove it. No, they could not. I had to remove it for their freedom. But the moment that I had them on the yoke, what did that mean? 
It meant that they were working. They were pulling burdens. For me, I was using them for plowing and carrying things. So that's, that's what the Lord does to you as a sinner. It gives you burdens to carry. It gives you burdens to pull. It is the yoke of slavery. The liberty, the freedom is found in Christ. The law does not bring liberty, but bondage. That is clear distinction. There's no way that you can spin this without denying the text. There's no way. There's no way. Yes, you can accuse those of us who teach these things. But I teach them because they're in the text. I'm not making things up. It's in the text. So Moses, the covenant of the law and its ministry have died. They have passed on. A funeral has been had for Moses. Get them some flowers and lay them at his grave. Yeah? And say, rest in peace. May his soul rest in peace for Moses. Because Christ is he who is alive. And God preached this truth way back in the Old Testament. And people don't know how to read these things. They don't know how to read these things. But God has been sharing this testimony right from the Old Testament. Hear this. How Moses died. Deuteronomy 34 verse 4. The text says. Then the Lord said to him. Then the Lord said to Moses. This is the land I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I'll give it to your descendants. I have let you see it, but you will not cross over there. Hear what God says. This is a promise that I gave to your forefathers as a picture of salvation. Because God was preaching salvation. But says to Moses, you see it. But you will not cross over there. You will not cross over there. I wish professing Christians understood what God was saying. God says, Moses, the law, cannot cross over into God's promised land, into God's salvation, into God's promises. He could only see the promises from afar. But who crosses? Is Joshua. There's to be a change of mediator from Moses to Joshua for God's people to cross into the promised land and Joshua was the type of Christ. Joshua is the picture of Christ. And that you say the law only allows one to see God, God's promises from afar but it cannot bring them about. The law cannot bring you into God's promises. Why? Because the inheritance of salvation is not of law, but of promise. The law only had the shadow of the good things, but the good things have come in the person of Christ. So we now partake of the good things in Christ. So what will happen to Moses? 
verse 34, sorry, verse 5 of Deuteronomy 34. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, as the Lord had said. Moses died according to the commandment of the Lord. In other words, God made or killed Moses. He made an end to the ministry of Moses with the children of Israel. Because Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Yeah, that's Romans 10. Christ, the end of the law. Moses died according to the commandment of the Lord. Yeah? But who buried Moses? Verse 6 of Deuteronomy 34, he buried him in the land of Moab near Beth Peor. It's God who buried Moses, which means it's God who killed Moses and buried him. But no one knows his exact burial place to this very day. No one knows. God killed and buried Moses, which was a picture of the covenant of the law being buried by the death of Christ because the death of Christ is the event that kills Moses, is the dividing line between the old and the new. And the text says, and no one knows his exact burial place to this very day. Which means what? Which means anyone who claims to be doing the law is lying. Because you can't do the law without its mediator. You can't do the law without Moses. Christ is not the mediator of the law. He is the mediator of grace. Moses is dead. And you don't know where he is buried. So you can claim to be under the law. You need Moses to be under the law. Yeah? Now, to the health condition of Moses when he died. Moses did not die of COVID-19. Or whatever year that he died. Moses was a very strong man. Even in his death. Hear this. Deuteronomy 34 verse 7. Moses was 120 years old when he died. But his eye was not dull, nor had his vitality departed. You have to stop and ask God to teach you what that means. Why is God interested in us knowing that? How does one who is in full health, with no disease, with no sickness, at full strength. How does he die? He had no vision loss. Moses had 20-20 vision. He died full of vigor and perfect vision and power as a testimony of his power to condemn the law, when it was removed, still had power to condemn. So if you resurrect Moses, 
You do not resurrect a sickly person. You resurrect the law in its full strength to condemn you for your sin. That is why God told us that Moses still had excellent vision. The law continues to have excellent vision to condemn you of every one of your sin if you resurrect it. Yeah? <laughs> but what was the people's reaction to the death of Moses? Verse 8 of Deuteronomy 8, the Israelites mourned for Moses in the deserts of Moab for how many days? For 30 days. For 30 days. Then the days of mourning for Moses ended. The people of Israel mourned for Moses. And many who have not understood the significance of what God did with Moses are still in mourning to this very day. Whenever we tell them Moses is dead, when we tell them that the believer's rule of life is not the law, but faith in Christ, they mourn. They mourn, still mourning for Moses. Dry your eyes, my brothers and sisters. Moses is dead. He can't help you. And honestly, if you're still mourning for Moses, you do not believe the gospel. You still need to repent. You are still in unbelief. Why? The text says, then the days of mourning for Moses ended. The days of mourning for the law have to come to an end. If they have not happened yet for you, you are still in your sins. You do not believe God's gospel. You do not believe God's gospel. Christ was given to say, the days of mourning for the law have ended. That's what he came to do. Dry your tears and rest in what Christ has accomplished. Stop digging for Moses. We are not being called to be archaeologists, to go dig up in the land of Moab looking for the remains of Moses. That's what people are doing. Christ fulfilled every jot and tittle of the law. He is the end of the law for righteousness, as I said, to everyone who believes. The Christ is risen. The Christ is alive. The Christ is seated. And he ever lives to make intercession for his redeemed. Yeah? And we end this way. Galatians 2, 17 to 21. Apostle Paul said, But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is Christ therefore a means of sin? Certainly not, may never be. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. If Paul builds the law again which he had destroyed by the preaching of the gospel, then he becomes a transgressor. Verse 19. For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. 
I, through the law, condemning Christ. It is the law that condemned Christ. And in the death of Christ, that is how that relationship between the sinner and the law was severed, was cut. That they may be married to Christ and live to God and bear fruit unto God. Verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. Paul now explains verse 19 in verse 20 what he meant by, for I through the law died the law, that I may live to God. He expands that in verse 20 and says, I have been crucified with Christ. In union with Christ, it is no longer I who live. It is no longer this flesh that lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by what? By faith in the Son of God. Not by law. By faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. So the believer's rule of life is faith. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. So faith in the Son of God is the believer's rule of life. I don't care who opposes this God's truth. I do not set aside the grace of God. If you go back to the law, you are setting aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. If there's any righteousness at all, at any point, that comes to you, by way of law, then Christ died in vain. That's clear, teaching. It's clear. My brothers and sisters, it's very important for us to acknowledge this truth. Moses is dead. Stop weeping and mourning for Moses. Surrender your tools of archaeology, of digging and digging, the past which God has buried, where no one knows where Moses was buried, but Christ, and rest in Christ, and live your life looking to the Son of God. That is the gospel truth, that is the gospel call, and it is free, and that you say we are done. God bless you. Our next installment is going to be Christ and his work. The person of Christ and his work. Yeah? Okay. Since the Lord has blessed us with this message, let's just go before him and bless his name. Okay? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we bless you. We honor you always for this message of the death of Moses, the end of the law for righteousness, for God's people. We thank you that Moses has been taken away and all his curses. And now we stand in the Son, by whom and with whom we were crucified to the world and resurrected together with him, and have now been seated with him also in the heavenly places with every spiritual gift. We thank you, honor you, and we pray, Lord, that you instill all this understanding in the hearts of your people. Bless them. Keep them always in Christ's name we pray. Amen.